Welcome to the High Five Countdown Podcast. My name is DJ Setho, and I'm happy to say that there are more episodes of the High Five Countdown Podcast than there were seasons in Breaking Bad. So I have only one thing to say to that. Y'all messed all white. Let's cook. Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, science. Please excuse my bad Jesse impression, but that should give you a little hint of what we're doing for this episode. But before we get into introducing the topic of this episode of High Five Countdown Podcast, let me introduce my two co-hosts. My first co-host is making a very anticipated return to the podcast. The only return that would be more anticipated would be a Limp Biscuit comeback. But since we don't have that, we have Maddie G the musician returning to the I5 Countdown podcast. Well, I'm a one-man Glad to be back. Maddie G, there was a little void in the podcast airwaves and also in my heart. Well, I'm glad to be back and um, hopefully this podcast and your heart are fulfilled again for uh, for my return. So. My second co-host wanted me to make perfectly clear that his comments in the last episode were directed at a specific character of The Walking Dead. And he wanted me to make it even more clear that he is pro-baby. We have Tony B. Thank you, Seth. Yes, uh, I'm just anti that particular baby, but I'm, I'm pro baby. I don't think other babies should be eaten by zombies, but that one from The Walking Dead, absolutely. Judith needs to be eaten. I still stand by that statement. So after um, this last podcast that we did on the top five problems with The Walking Dead, iTunes bumped us back up to explicit because Tony B felt it was necessary to mention babies getting eaten by zombies and also incest in the same 30 seconds. I didn't curse. These are adult topics. I think baby eating is PG-13 at best. I mean... We- Things get eaten. It's, it's a baby getting eaten. I don't think that's, you know, explicit. Oh, uh, I'm very anti-baby um, eating, and uh, I'm going to stick to that. I know nothing about The Walking Dead, besides the fact that there are zombies, and... That people like the show. If you guys are wondering the references or why Tony got us all in trouble with iTunes, he really didn't, but check out our last episode of the High Five Countdown podcast, the top five problems with The Walking Dead. As we mentioned, Matty G wasn't on the episode since he didn't watch The Walking Dead, but we had Tugboat pinch hitting and he did a great job, so shout out to Tugboat. And check out the episode. Just go to iTunes and search High Five Countdown Podcast and you'll find us. Speaking of The Walking Dead and the fact that it's a show that people like, and I'm sure Matty G is probably binge-watching, so he's ready for our next podcast, our topic for this episode is Top 5 Binge-Worthy TV Shows. 
So I think the best place to start with this is to define binge watching. Because even though this this word's obviously been thrown around a lot, it's still really new in concept. And there was only one place I needed to go to to get an accurate definition of binge watching, and that is dictionary.com. Dictionary.com says, binge watching, to watch multiple episodes of a TV show in one sitting or over a short period of time. Sounds good to me. Matty G, you are the teacher. Please tell us. <laughs> is that a good definition? I think it's very good. I think um, I'm actually, I, I found myself trying to differentiate between like just shows that I love and shows that I love and also want to watch a lot in a row in the same day or the same sitting. Like my first, you know, pick might not be necessarily my favorite show. It just might be the show that I want to watch the most episodes in a row. So I, I did find myself trying to differentiate between the two. That is definitely tough. Um, I was kind of picking shows that I've caught myself binge watching or I've heard other friends talking about the fact that they've binge watched those. Mm-hmm. Tony B, thoughts? No, that's my definition of it too, where you want to watch one episode and then next thing you know, four hours of your life and you've watched four or five episodes. That's the definition of it. Did you write this definition on dictionary.com? I suggested it. Whether or not dictionary.com takes my suggestions up to the website, but I, I put that suggestion in there that it comes as a surprise is a big part of the binge watching. That's an interesting thought. Uh, I, ne- I never thought about it coming as a surprise, but it does make sense. Or if you know that you like the show, like you, you know, like, okay, I can't just devote an hour to the show. Like I have to devote at least three or four to the show. That's part of the binge watching where you know, hey, I, I got to set aside hours for one show. To me, one of the things that stood out in my binge-watching experience is if I have to be at a place in two hours and I find myself running late because I can't turn off the show, that's a strong evidence that this is a great binge-watching show. Yeah, if you find yourself canceling things, because you know what? I-, I need to find out what happens next. And yeah, it's a sign of addiction, I guess, but it's also a sign of a good show. I mean, I missed two weddings because of one of these shows that are on my top five list. Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, science. I think you should definitely uh, let, let whoever's wedding it was know about that. I'm sure they'd really appreciate that. You should, because that's a look. I had a decision to make. Your wedding or the TV show, and the TV show won. I, I think that tells them they need to step it up the next time they have some sort of event. I mean, just be like, hey, like your wedding's only one day, but this TV show is going to last forever, you know? <laughs> People get married every day. It's not every day that I can watch show XYZ for five straight hours in my pajamas eating Milano cookies. Yeah, it's even worse if the show's on DVD. Like, wait a second, it wasn't even broadcasting live to miss the wedding? If it's on DVD and you know that you already have the episodes and you choose not to go, that's, I think that's you prioritizing the right decision. I think the thing that's interesting about binge-watching, before we get into the actual lists, television's been trying to instill this habit into us way before the term binge-watching came out. TV, I think, by the time we hit the 2000s, really started to step its game up with the shows they made, because they didn't just make television shows. They almost made them with high production quality, and they, they enlisted better actors. That cause people to fall in love with TV shows because the fact that the quality was better. Multiply that with the fact that they were also coming out with the DVD box sets. So you would see these a few months after a uh, season finale would broadcast. 
And then it just kind of went from there with Netflix, with Hulu, with all these other services. Netflix actually plays the next episode unless you tell it to stop. At least with the DVD, if I have to flip the disc, that gives me a break to where I can say, you know what, I should probably go outside, or I should probably eat something, or go to the bathroom. Netflix, I just pee my pants. That's like the opposite of Netflix and chill, I'm pretty sure. I call it Netflix and piss. Lovers wanna love, I don't even want none of the above, I want to be on you. They had those with the DVDs, the play all feature. That's how they get you. That's the, That was the original one. Now, they can just go back to back to back to back to back. Like Drake. Back to back to back on that jump man. Well, I think we've covered it, unless anyone else has anything they want to mention before we get into the list. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Pumped. Yeah, Mr. White. Yeah, science. Y'all ready for this? One, two, three, let's go. Here we go. All right, I guess I will start out with my list. I'm just going to quickly mention Sons of Anarchy that just missed out. The crow flies It's a compelling, addicting show about a motorcycle club that is basically trying to figure out their place in society, but they're pretty much outcasts and outlaws. And then there's a lot of violent interactions with other gangs surrounding this city where this motorcycle club is based. But the reason I left it out is because that show is really intense, to the point where I kind of get exhausted after watching one episode. So I couldn't imagine watching four episodes of that show at once i know people that really like it i haven't gotten into it yet i haven't watched an episode so i can't really judge it but i've heard good things of it basically sons of anarchy if you've seen that disney movie wild hogs with tim allen and martin lawrence and john travolta it's the adult version of wild hogs never let life get too safe every now and then you gotta slap the bull Baby. It's such a tame movie that there was only like one bar fight scene, and I'm imagining in Sons of Anarchy there's a bar fight scene at least once an episode. This charter doesn't wait any longer. We kill him! Like once every 15 minutes. You better be real careful how you navigate around this one. Or what? You're gonna put a bullet in the back of my head, too. Look, I was trying to be give the benefit of the doubt. The fight was at the very, very, very end. And that was the most drama of the movie. This show, the commercials look intense. This charter doesn't wait any longer. We kill him. My mom is actually finishing up the final season. And I literally told her Godspeed because it gets intense. It really does. You better be real careful how you navigate around this one. Or what? You're going to put a bullet in the back of my head, too. So the way I approached the actual countdown is I went Matty G style. What I did is I put each of these binges into a category. 
and tried to represent the five categories of binges that I have run into in my life. Not to say that I binge a lot, because I actually don't, and usually people binge in the summer, and that's usually when I watch my least amount of TV, because it's so nice out, from my own personal binges and talking to people that are much more binge savvy than I am, these are kind of the things they describe. My number five is the historical binge. And that's watching a show that was on many, many years ago that you enjoyed during that specific time frame that you want to take a look back and visit, hoping that the show aged well or that you found some historical context or it brought you back to a simpler time. Well, my number five started in 1993. It ran for seven seasons. Boy Meets World is my number five. I like the pick, and I, I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's something that's a little... It's actually kind of surprising to see something like that. I feel like... I could name, like, ten shows that I feel like are going to be all over these lists, and that's, like, kind of like a, a curveball right away started off. And no, I really like that show. I did a binge of this show a few years back. Here's kind of what I found that was really fun about it. First off, it really is like opening a time capsule. But when you take a look at the plot lines of the show, there were no cell phones. Like, everyone actually used what's called a landline. And for our younger listeners, that's an actual phone that was on a cord that was plugged into your wall. And you couldn't text from it. Number two, sex was a more taboo topic. People didn't talk about sex during dinner. Number three, there's actually a scene where they're doing a video project using actual VHS tapes, which, again, for our younger listeners, those were the things that we recorded on for TV shows before DVDs were made. <laughs> I mean, I, lo- I love uh, I love, uh, Boy Meets World as a show. I remember uh, TGIF back in the day, which was like a, you know, kind of like a Friday night, I guess like kind of preteen and teenager like kids shows and it, I think there was like Family Matters and some other great shows and it was just the I think it's it's definitely a popular pick I think if people listen to this episode in like a, in a week they're gonna be like you know they're gonna think favorably of that pick and I think a lot of people look back at that show and really think uh, fond thoughts and fond memories of it yeah it's a good show it's just hard to find it a little bit now they get to kind of go searching for it you don't have Netflix, Tony B? I do. I have to go searching through Netflix to find it. It didn't show up right on my, hey, you need to watch this thing. If you go to TV search and you type in boy, and then if it still doesn't come in, you type in meets after boy, I think it'd be pretty easy to find. Okay. If I, what if I type in world? Would it find it? No, because I think there's a lot of stuff with the name world in it. Just watch out. Just watch out how you spell meets. I mean, don't, don't be searching for boy meets. <laughs> Well, I think on Netflix would be a safe search. I don't know about the internet. And now we lost our clean rating right off the bat. Why we have the explicit label? It's not even 15 minutes in the podcast. I will say this. uh, Boy Meets World actually uh, set some pretty unrealistic uh, portrayals of when you grow up. Does anyone remember that in Boy Meets World, the college dorm rooms were huge? Yeah, they were like hotel suites. And then when I saw my dorm room in Scranton, in Fitch Hall, I was totally disappointed. Yeah, that's a reality check. Although, if you go to these dorms now, they look kind of like the Boy Meets World dorms. These kids are spoiled.
And then I will end on this. Most underrated supporting cast. You know, we all know about Corey and Topanga, but you have William Daniels playing Mr. Feeney, who is awesome. Your generation gets a new web page every six seconds. And how do you use this technology? To beat King Koopa and save the princess. Ryder Strong, who plays Sean Hunter, who might be, in my opinion, one of the best characters on television, and I stand by that. She's my best friend's girl. She's my best friend's girl. <laughs> oh, the heck with that. Marry me. I live in a trailer park and I have no education, but my hair does this. <laughs> And you have Anthony Tyler Quinn as high school teacher Mr. Turner, who rode a motorcycle, who should have been casted for Sons of Anarchy. I think when you're new at a school like you and me, first impressions really stick. What if tomorrow you raised your hand and I said, what do you want, booger? Would you do that? They'd probably follow you all through high school. Maybe all your life people would call you booger. Would you do that? I'm the teacher. I can do whatever I want. I wield the power to inform and to influence. Someone who made motorcycles kind of mainstream. You never want teacher of the year. Okay, I'm here for homeroom, I'm here for English, and I'm here anytime you just want to talk. Cool. Did I say you could talk? No, he didn't. And then he disappeared from the show. Probably because he was mad that he didn't win teacher of the year. I don't blame him. I'd like to think he joined the Sons of Anarchy. The crow flies straight. Perfect line. He's like, you're not going to award me for my teaching spree? I'm, I'm joining the gang. This charter doesn't wait any longer. We kill him. This ain't the wild hog. Wild baby! This isn't your dentist gang. <laughs> I'm, I'm finding more than cavities. You better be real careful how you navigate around this one. Or what? You're gonna put a bullet in the back of my head, too? Cool. Alright, my number four is the enhancement bin. And this is basically a binge watch that helps improve a show and a show viewing experience rather than watching it live, watching it from week to week. Now, this is a show that I only got introduced to on a binge watch, but I know several of my friends who watched this show watched it live and then rewatched it on a binge and they enjoyed it much better on a binge. This show was filled with mystery. It is lost. Lost came out in 2004, ran for six seasons, and is probably one of the most underrated character-driven shows that was ever released. Because it really told a complex story of some very dramatic and out-of-the-ordinary characters. Only in Lost can you get a lottery winner whose life is filled with bad luck. Look, I don't know about you, but things have really sucked for me lately, and I could really use a victory. So let's get one, dude. Let's get this car started. Let's look death in the face and say, whatever, man. Let's make our own luck. What do you say? An escaped prisoner who's not given the opportunity to prove she's innocent. A con man who is scarred from a dark backstory. Doctor playing golf. Whew, boy, howdy. I've heard everything. What's next? Cop eating a donut. And a doctor who is stuck living in his father's shadow so much that his father's ghost haunts him. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! Well, what I know about Lost is it's got an insane amount of characters. It had some, like, really, like, out-there ending, and people were kind of just, you know, having these, like, theories about, like, what it really meant and the symbolism behind it. And I know that I was kind of expecting it to be on somebody's list, uh, but I haven't watched all the episodes. I know it came out, like, ten years ago, but um, I know they have a joke about it in... Um, what movie is that? This is 40, where, like, the, the daughter is, like, obsessed with Lost. She just constantly is always watching Lost in the entire movie. We have to go back, Kate. 
We have to go back. Um, so I know it does have a. Uh, that's kind of a joke on how many people are really into the show. Even The Simpsons did the same joke. The Simpsons had a joke where like uh, either Homer or Marge was just like obsessed with that show, and we're just watching it over and over again. So it must really be binge worthy, is what I'm saying. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, it's one of those shows, and the reason I say it improves on a binge is because it's so much mystery that I couldn't imagine watching an episode having so many questions and having to wait a week or even an entire summer for my questions to be answered. Yeah, I never really got into Lost, but... uh I heard good things about it. I tried watching an episode or two. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Why? Because there were too many babies? Actually, there wasn't that many babies on the show, if I recall. So I should have liked it, but um, it just never uh, never really spoke to me. My number three is the underrated binge. And this usually references a show that never got love, especially in mainstream. And it's a show that people kind of catch up on through binge watching. And it's actually a show that's more popular now than it was when it was released on TV with live episodes. This show is based around sports. It ran for five seasons, released back in 2008. And it was loosely based off a movie. My number three is Friday Night Lights. I was a really big fan of Friday Night Lights. Coach Taylor, great coach. Clear um, eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Let's go play some football. Let's go. This show is interesting because it gives more clarity on the background in the movie and how, how serious Texas takes their high school football. Well, the TV show is a different cast. It's a different time period than the movie. But like you said, it, it does provide some context on how serious they take it, the kind of status they have in the town playing high school football, um, and just more into like the day-to-day lives of the, the players, and especially the coach and the coach's family. They do a really good job of that. And I thought they, they do a really good job of humanizing football. Oh, they definitely do. It provides one of the most powerful episodes of any television show I've ever watched in my life. The episode is called The Sun. And it's where Zach Guilford's character goes through a tough loss. That was such a powerful episode. Yeah. Now, I, I think that was nominated for uh, Emmy. Like, it was really powerful. It was really emotional. So, um, went through all the stages of grief. I think they did a really good job with that. Plus, Zach Guilford, what an actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he puts on probably one of the greatest performances I have ever seen from a television actor in an episode of a TV show. Well, if I saw him in real life, he's Saracen. Oh, he's definitely Matt Saracen. Yeah, he, I, I may call him Seven. We didn't get to where we got to last year in one state because of you. We got to it because of the whole team. Like, he, he doesn't have a real person name. His name is the character of the show. Just like if I ever saw Taylor Kish in real life, I'd call him Riggins. Here's the good friends living large in Texas. Texas forever. Absolutely. And I would I would tell him, Texas forever. Here's the good friends living large in Texas. Texas forever. <laughs> I would call him John Carter and no one would know what I was talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Texas forever. That's like a huge Disney flop. That he- well, I know, I know the movie. Have you seen, no one saw John Carter. Was he in John Carter? He was I think John he was. Carter. Yeah. That, that's the point. <laughs> Wow, joke went right over my head. But, um, do you guys remember the movie, uh, The Mighty Ducks? We're gonna stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. That's right, Jan. 
And just when you think they're about to break apart, ducks, ducks fly together. Yeah, of, course. of course. You know the character Fulton Reed? Yes. Yeah. I actually got to meet Fulton Reed. He was shooting Daredevil in Harlem. And I saw him across the street. And I didn't have time to look up his real name. I was just so happy to see Fulton Reed. <laughs> I went right up to him. You're Fulton Reed, aren't you? I loved you in the Mighty Ducks. I, I, and he tried to say, oh, yeah, well, my name is actually Elder. I'm like, no, it's not. It's Fulton. <laughs> And if you've seen the show Daredevil, he was with the actual character Daredevil. I didn't care. Completely ignored the main star of the show to talk to Fulton Reed. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, some of these characters will get typecasted as the as the character they play on television forever. Um, yeah, well, he doesn't look like Fulton Reed, but I, I, I knew Fulton Reed. I, I got to revisit the Mighty Ducks. Great movie. The first one's classic. The second one, the, the one where they win the uh, championship the uh, against Iceland, that was a good movie, too. Third one, say, third one when they're in high school is, meh. I was going to say D2 is, is really, I, I liked, I think I like D2 better than one. Yes, I agree. The first one, first one is very good and like the classic. The second one I kind of like better in a lot of ways because I like the fun of the every um, different character from the different parts of the country. And they're all like on this like one all-star team. And it's like you got the cowboy, you got like that really fast kid from Miami, and you got the, the figure skater, but you know what, I, I, I'm almost scared to say this, because I don't want to give anybody from Disney an idea, but given how, how you know, eager they are to, like, kind of, like, reboot series, and now you're seeing, like, a reboot of, like, Ghostbusters coming out soon, I'm just kind of surprised it hasn't been, like, a Mighty Ducks reboot in any way, or, like, possibly, like, a, how they have, like, Girl Meets World, which is, like, a Boy Meets World spinoff, now Corey's, like, the dad, uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't, like, at least entertain the thought of doing something where, like, Charlie has, like, a son or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> do, like, do, like, D4, the Mighty Ducks have children. D4, Mighty Ducks, next generation. Or, or this time it's all girls, just like the Ghostbusters. It's all <laughs> women this time. It's a totally different story, guys. There's women. There's more women this time. What's a female duck called? A ducklet. <laughs> Mighty ducklets. Mighty ducklets. Trade in your high heels for skates. They had like the one girl in, in Mighty Ducks one. Like they'll just have like one guy and like somehow <laughs> like yeah. He, oh, he's that really tough guy that plays with all these girls. Like, <laughs> could Matt Saracen be in the Mighty Ducklets? We didn't get to where we got to last year in one state because of you. We got to it because of the whole team. Absolutely, he could be the coach. I think we should pitch this to Disney. As long as they have a role for Landry. No, exactly. You have no idea. You go on one date, and now you're making, you know, you're making declarations. Landry, she kissed me the other day no, no, in, in the hallway in front of everybody. And you're just, you're just now going to mention this to me. Just to let you know, you're flying solo on this whole thing. All right, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to. I mean, was there a tongue involved? Well, you got to give me something. Oh, my gosh. Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> Landry might have played a role in another show. That will be on my top five. That wasn't Landry. Right, well, I'm a friend of his. My name's Todd. Actually, I brought him with me. Jesse's here? Yeah, he's right over there in that truck. No! Just so you know, this isn't personal. We'll get there. We'll get there, but that wasn't Landry. That's not my Landry. <laughs> Were you a big Landry fan? I was a Landry fan. I was a little disappointed in Landry's behaviors outside of Texas. Ooh. 
well, you you kind of saw Landry going in that direction in season two of the Friday Night Lights. Look, accidents are accidents. That guy, Landry, went berserk. That's because he missed Tyra. <laughs> My number two pick is in a category that I like to call Built for a Binge. This is a television show that had to be created, keeping in mind that our culture would go into a binge-watching phase. Even though it was released all the way back in 2001, before binging was a thing. It lasted nine seasons. The show had a total of 45 moles. 2.5 nuclear explosions, and had a main character who said a catchphrase a lot. Anyone want to take a guess? I, I knew it was coming up eventually. I mean, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> 24. <laughs> you forgot immunity. I'll tell you where the bomb is in exchange for immunity. How many immunities were given out? That, it was my favorite word, immunity. Oh, oh, I got something, I did something bad. Well, you know what I'm about to ask for. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to need some immunity right now. I'll tell you where the bomb is in exchange for immunity. I'm going to need some water. And you might want to get on that immunity thing pretty quickly. I'll tell you where the bomb is in exchange for immunity. They, they gave it immunity like it was breath mints. But my favorite part of it, and I, I kind of follow the 24 rule to, my, to this day, because every time they gave out the immunity, before that, they're like, we don't give out immunity here. This is a new CTU. We don't give out immunity. Ten minutes later, okay, we need to call it immunity. <laughs> if the information you provide culminates in the successful interception of the nuclear device, you'll be pardoned. It was their go-to. It really was. Guess how many people Jack Bauer have, has killed in the nine seasons of 24? He was a very peaceful man, so I'm going to say 300. Do you know who I am? Matty G, you want to take a guess? Uh, maybe one for each episode, so, or like one for each of the 24 hours, I don't know, uh, maybe 10 for each, uh, you know, I'll say, say, I'll say 240. <laughs> wow, you guys were very close. 267. That's light. I thought it would have been more. <laughs> I think he wounded way more, though. Or he did the choke grip that put him to sleep. And he, don't fight it, don't fight it, just, just let me choke you out. That's gotta be way over 200. That was his go-to move. But I did do some research on something that was very relevant in the 24 universe that I actually tried. And it probably wasn't my best idea to try this. I played the 24 drinking game. And my buddy Brad and I got through two episodes and we were both feeling really buzzed. So, so you have to explain what that game is because <laughs> I don't know what it is. Basically what it is is it dictates you to take a drink every time specific things happen in the show. Now, Matty G, you won't appreciate these because you didn't watch the 24 show, but I'm going to say them for the 24 fans and for Tony's entertainment. Oh, I'll be entertained too, I'm sure. Here is the rules for the 24 drinking game. And Tony, please tell me if you think you'd get drunk after two episodes of this. Oh, I can already get some rules, so I know. Yeah, this is a very deadly game. Okay, take a sip whenever Jack kills somebody. That'll be a couple of sips. So that's one beer down. Something bad happens to Kim. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> There's a split screen. <laughs> yeah, you're done then. Tony Almeida says, yeah. 
Yeah, that'll do it. And Jack defies orders. He never did that. Do you know who I am? Drink twice whenever a CTU employee other than Jack kills somebody. That would take you out because they never did their job. Jack was always doing all the killing. (laughs) Except when they would come in as a team and swoop up the mess. But that only happened maybe uh, 24 episodes, three times. CTU did their job. Some annoying authority figure shows up, such as George Mason or Ryan Chappelle. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. Or any time where your uh, authority is challenged, someone else say, oh, no, 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 you're not in charge anymore. Oh, I'm in charge. This is division. Oh, yeah, well, this is division sector, so I'm in charge. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm division division, so I'm super in charge. <laughs> division square. It just got to a ridiculous level. And meanwhile, Jack's like, well, I found the terrorist. <laughs> I found him. Somebody is revealed to be a mole or a traitor. Yeah, CT never did background checks, so that's going to get you drunk. And a main character dies. You need a drink after that. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Finish your beer whenever CTU goes into lockdown. Ooh, that happened every season. And then the final minute does not end in a cliffhanger. <laughs> So, Tony B, would you survive the 24 drinking game? No, the damn cut streams would get me every time. No, it's definitely one of those shows where you're like, I'll just watch an episode. And then four hours later, well, okay, wh- how's Jack going to get out of this one? My goal is still I want to take one day and watch an entire season in a day. I'm going to do it when Maddie G signs up for it and him and I can watch a season together. There you go. That's that's how I got into it. It just started off. Seth was like, "Oh, we'll, we'll watch a couple of episodes." Well, after episode two, well, we'll what happens next, man? <laughs> you can't just leave me hanging like this. There's a bomb that's about to go off. Uh, I mean, I don't want to give away some of my picks, but that's happened to me before. So I, I'm uh, I'm more careful with that now <laughs> with some uh, with some shows. My number one type of binge is the respect binge. This is basically a binge that's done out of sheer respect to a great show. A show that is so great that critics hail it that a lot of people have watched it, if not everybody. All I gotta say is, what up? Let's cook! Cause it's Breaking Bad! Very good show. Five seasons released in 2008, and the only thing that got me to watch the Breaking Bad series in the first place was to see the dopey guy from Malcolm in the Middle play a role that wasn't the dopey guy from Malcolm in the Middle. Hello, well, I'm so full of bacon, my body's meant for shaking. It's hard to believe he was in that show. I can't watch Malcolm in the Middle anymore. It's ruined it. You know, like, he comes to give fatherly advice to Dewey or Reese, and I'm like, don't listen to him, that's Heisenberg. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? I am the one who knocks. It it is a great show. I don't want to talk too, too much about it, because I might have it. Spoiler alert? Slightly. Uh, everything I've heard about this show is that it's like one of the best shows ever and if I had to pick a show to binge watch that I haven't I would probably pick that one I still haven't watched it though and um, I just feel like it's an overwhelming amount of shows that you're supposed to watch now and I, I'm very particular because like I pick uh, you know I'll go through my picks but um, 
what I'm saying is that I can see, like, from what I've heard, that this show is, like, one of the best shows ever. So I'm not really too surprised to see it on your list. Well, with that being said, Matty G, you set us up really well for the transition. So binge-worthy TV shows. So, like I said, I started doing the list by thinking about my favorite shows ever. Um, I tried to give bonus points if it was a show that I think actually had some sort of um, overarching story. It wasn't just, like uh, like, a sitcom where... You know, you kind of get your satisfaction at the end of the episode. Like, if there's some sort of um, successive, you know, um, sequence between the, the episodes where you want to find out what happens next, um, that gets bonus points. Doesn't mean all my shows are going to be that, but I I tended to weigh them hev- heavily if they if they actually had that sort of aspect where it's like, yeah, I kind of want to see what happens by the end of the series, or the end of the show, or the um, end of the season. So, how many uh, bonus points did you give a show if it had a montage? Well, actually, it's funny if you said that because uh, my number five actually has a, a joke about that. It's actually it's not very series-like in the sense that you guys had your series, but I put South Park as number five. I'm going down to South Park, gonna have myself a time. Friendly faces everywhere, humble folks without temptation. I'm going down to South Park, gonna leave my woes behind. Am I parking day or night? People spouting hot and uh, basically just because the show was just so good. So it's not really about like the end of the story or anything. It's more just about that. I think the show is just one of the best comedies ever on TV. And I think it's actually gotten better over time. Uh, it used to be that it was just like this, like, you know, breakout hit and it was just like really funny because it had a lot of like silly jokes. And now with the last like maybe five or 10 years, it's become like, kind of like, in my opinion, like must watch TV where it does commentary about what's going on in the world and it doesn't really hilarious and sarcastic way that I think it just makes it very binge-worthy in that sense. And and when you add to the fact that the last season actually was, like, an overarching story where they had a theme where, like, you kind of had to see what happened next. Like, there, there was a certain principal. It was, his name was, like, PC Principal. And, like, he was, like, the principal for the whole season. And there was, like, a big, like, kind of, like, long, drawn-out um, story with all the episodes, which isn't really something they normally do. Um, I think it just adds to like, the, the binge-worthy uh, aspect of it. Yeah, I'm a big South Park fan. I, I did like PC Principal. So I, I, I do like the show. I think if you watch enough South Park, you can relate anything in life to a South Park episode. Which is why when you said montage, I was like, you know, actually, um, I know you're joking, but actually there is a montage song from South Park that's really hilarious. Is it the training montage? It's not, but um, there's an episode. It's like an 80s, it's like an 80s parody, the whole show, and they... There's actually a song called Montage where they're they're making fun of the the kind of 80s montage in a song. And it's like during a montage, it's, it's really it's really awesome. And actually, they use the same song in the movie Team America from uh, from like '04. And um, both those things I recommend. <laughs> I actually do watch South Park. I haven't watched some of the more recent ones, um, but I just remember that comparing like when it first came out to some of the more recent stuff, it's night and day. It's it's the one animated show that actually gets better with age. Family Guy and The Simpsons kind of deteriorate as they get older, and so South Park just seems to get better. Yeah, South Park originally it was just, look at these kids that are cursing. 
and it was shock value. And then they took it to a level where I liked where they made episodes about being a kid. Like one of my favorite episodes is uh, Free Willsy Act, and they think the they go to Sea World and they think the whale at Sea World is talking to them, <laughs> but it's really the guy that's in like the control booth. And he's doing the, hi, my name is Willsey. I'm a whale from the moon. And the kids are just kids. Like, the whale's talking to us? And why wouldn't the kids think that? And then they started taking on social commentary stuff. Yeah, I, I actually watched the um, the documentary recently about, like, the making of a South Park episode. I think it's called, like, Six Days Till Air or something. Yeah. And it's and it just, it just amazing that they have the technology and the talent to, to like, pretty much write and create an episode within like six days. So that's why, that's part of the reason why it's so amazing and also why it's so relevant. Like they can wait until like the last minute to like get a story from like the news that just happened and then they'll have an episode about like making fun of it in a really hilarious way. And it just, um, they even have uh, Bill Hader, the, uh, the guy from Saturday Night Live. He's one of the writers. Like you see him in the documentary and they kind of just sit around and they just start joking around. They have like a chalkboard that just like writes stuff down and they're just laughing and cracking jokes. And then you see the process. They, they're pulling all nighters for like a week, and then they just have this this episode. And so many times it winds up being a hilarious episode. It's just a it's a really amazing show, and uh, I'm just I'm kind of mesmerized by how talented like those those guys are. Oh yeah, and I mean you know some of my favorite ones are the ones where it's pretty much uh, you know based on something that happened recently. Whether it's the uh, one about Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, which is one of my favorites, or it's the Kanye West gay fish episode. Now I got my wish, cause I know that I'm a gay fish, gay fish, gay fish, yeah. Mother me for gay fish, gay fish, fish yeah. Oh, I, I like anything that has butters in it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> The one where Butters gets, um, they think Butters gets stolen or he's killed, and it was some Puerto Rican guy who killed Butters. Yeah, because you would like the the uh, the show where the baby gets killed. I should hate the show because they didn't come through. But no, I like shows where the baby lives. And it's not babies, it's just that one baby. Again, you're, you're trying to make me seem like this baby hater. <laughs> Alright, this one is, uh, this one's probably, uh, one that no one else would, ha- would even ha- be close to having. Um, I'm gonna go with, just because it's my favorite superhero show, uh, I'm gonna go with X-Men from the 90s. And let me explain it, okay? So, technically, it's a kid's show, but it has very, like, mature themes. Even as a kid, uh, I kind of picked that up because, well, let's see. It ran from 92 to 97. Um, it was on Saturday mornings. It was, like, the last show, like, the Saturday morning thing. Um, I was a kid at the time. I'm sure most of you guys were, too. Um, but the content of the stories was way more mature than, like, a kid's show. Forget it, Vindicator. You can send every mutant in Canada after me. I ain't coming back. And just like X-Men movies, like, the, the animated show dealt with, like, real-world issues. And I went back, actually, like, a few years back, and I actually started to watch them again. Because, naturally, when you're a kid, like, you don't see every single episode of a show. Because, I mean, first of all, it's on Saturday morning. So, I'm there, you know, maybe not every single Saturday. I got Little League, I got basketball, I got, you know, stuff happening. So, I went back like, a few years ago, and I actually binge-watched all 70, what is it, 76 episodes of this show. And... It's actually a really good show. Like, the story is really good, and it actually has an overarching story. 
and the first season is very comparable to like the movie Days of Future Past. So it's got a lot of the same themes with the the Sentinels, and um, they even have a Days of Future Past episode, which is called that. And um, if you if you're a fan of X Men in any way, I recommend people checking it out. At least the first season. Um, it really was uh, a good show. And you think, oh, it's just a silly kid show. And then you look at the animation, and it's kind of cheesy because it's like from the '90s. And you look at like the fact that like they're shooting these like lasers out of the guns because they can't show like probably bullets on a on a kid show. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you get past that, like, and you're an X-Men fan, it's, it's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> so that was my number four pick. I 100% agree. Uh, you know, I, I tried doing a binge watch of, of Ninja Turtles a few years back, and it didn't hold up the test of time. But X-Men 100% does. I remember when they were doing the episodes about time travel, I'm a kid, I never experienced you know, much in in the realm of time travel because when I was watching X-Men, that was even before I watched Back to the Future. So time travel was a new concept. But to understand the future, we have to go back in time. Like, even the first episode, um, you already have in the first episode, you have, like, all this kind of theme of, like, you know, like, pretty much like the movies where it's, like, discrimination and there's all sorts of hatred. And you even have one of the X-Men dying in the first episode. Like, granted, you know, he comes back, like, in season two or season three. So it kind of, like, established, like, there was a more st- serious show than you thought. I mean, if you break it down, like, there's a lot of different um, storylines that they go through in each season. I mean, the first season's pretty much the Sentinels and, like, the humans that, like, hate the mutants. And then, you know, how, like, the it leads at the base of this, the Sentinels being built. And they the Sentinels wind up turning on the humans that made them. And it's a really, like, kind of ironic story. It's really... I mean, I remember just watching it, like, as an adult, well, I guess technically an adult, like, five years ago, <laughs> and being like, wow, this is actually a really good story. Then you have, like, a second season where it's basically, like, Professor X and Magneto, they're on this island, and they don't have the powers, so, like, kind of like in the movie, like, Professor X can actually walk now, but they're trying to survive in this, like, jungle, um, but it was pretty awesome. Then the third season, you have the Phoenix Saga, which was actually done better than the movie, The Last Stand. Um, season four, it's a, it's a little bit about Apocalypse, which is just coming out this next month, actually, uh, the movie, so you kind of have, like, a little bit of background information about that with the you know apocalypse trying to like control time and stuff uh, i don't know if it's the same plot as the movie probably not but it's uh, it's pretty cool to see these characters and um then you have season five which is kind of weird i feel like they kind of ran out of um story and they kind of wound up going to a lot of backstories with the characters they would do like rogues backstory now was he jackman in the show excuse me i'm eric lynchra Charles xavier go f- yourself I don't think uh, anybody from the movie is actually in the in the show. Now, is Hugh Jackman going to be in the new movie? Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Charles Xavier, go f*** yourself. I haven't been following along. It's funny you mention he's, that. He's like in every one of them. I, I really need a, a feature on Facebook that, like, if you don't want to be spoiled for, like, certain shows, there should be a thing like, please hide everything that mentions X-Men Apocalypse. Please hide everything that mentions Game of Thrones. Because, I'm getting, I, like, today there was a new trailer, and... You know, might as well tell you, like, Wolverine's in the new movie, and they show his claws, and I'm just like, I figure he's gonna be in it, but I don't need to see every surprise. Like, don't show me in Captain America Civil War that Spider-Man's gonna be in it. Why can't I just be really, really shocked when I watch the movie? Coming soon to theaters. Like, why is every, like, you know, big surprise have to be, like, hyped up and part of, like, the promotion of the movie? Why can't it just be, like, an actual surprise? I'm gonna let you on a little secret. Don't watch commercials. Coming soon to theaters. I'm telling you, look, this is what I did. I'm dead serious. If there's something I actually want to watch like Star Wars, I didn't watch a single commercial of it. And there's a billion commercials. So you're going, well, with a billion commercials, how did you not watch it? Simple. I changed the channel. Or if I can't change the channel, I, I cover my eyes and, and hum to myself. La, 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 I can't hear you. I can't hear you. 
because they show the best parts in the commercials. And if you have half a brain, and maybe actually maybe three fourths of a brain from the commercials, you can sketch the movie out. No, so when you, right. so when you if you watch enough of commercials, and I mean like two commercials at most. You go to the movie, you can go, oh, that's where that scene came from. When it's comedies, they show the best jokes in the commercials. In the action movies, they show you the best scenes. So you can kind of go, well, wait a second, that scene from the commercial hasn't happened yet. Oh, that's how he died. Like, yeah, you, and you, I'm, you I'm gotta mad. figure it out. I don't like that. And I'm mad because, um, like, I, it just, those are two things where I get really excited about both those things, X-Men and Game of Thrones. And, and like, when I see that somebody post a trailer, I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of want to watch this, but, like, I don't. I'm down in this fern bar to rip my new navel. Now that I watched the trailer for, like, something like Game of Thrones, I there's certain scenes in my head from when I watched the, the trailer, so, like, it kind of ruins little things for me because I'm like, okay, well, I know he's going to get to that point where he meets this character because, like, I've seen it in the trailer. So it, it kind of, like, takes away some of the um, surprise of, like, just a, the first episode, which just came out. I'm just like... Ugh, like, why don't I even watch that? <laughs> so. I'm down in this fern bar to rip my new navel. See, that's why you can't do it. It yeah. stinks because it seems like that's today's society, though. If it's not a trailer, it's a Facebook status or an article or, or something that just ruins it because, for whatever reason, the entertainment industry thinks we want to know everything. Coming soon to theaters. Even like cameos in movies. Like, I remember when a cameo happened in a movie, you would be legitimately surprised. And nowadays, you have something like Entertainment Weekly, and they're saying, oh, by the way, Hugh Jackman is going to be in this X-Men movie. He's going to make a big cameo. Yeah, it's, it's, it's even worse because, like, it'll be a movie that hasn't even, like, started filming yet, and they'll be like... This guy signed a deal for the next, you know, three X-Men movies or whatever movies it is. And it's just like, okay, well, clearly they're going to be in it. And then it even ruins the story more because then you're like, okay. Well, I know Wolverine's a very extreme example because he doesn't really, like, die ever. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Tales Xavier. Go f*** yourself. But, like, if it's like, you know, Spider-Man's going to be uh, in the next three movies, it's like, okay, well, then he'll be fine in the first two movies. <laughs> it's just like, you know, he's going to be in the third one, so it just... I think it's kind of the more we get to the social media thing, the more I'm, I'm starting to realize, like, I got to just, I don't even want to go on Facebook sometimes now because I'm afraid I'm going to, like, get spoiled for something. And it's just, like, we got to find a way to, like, have, like, a spoiler blocker or something. You know, you know what we should do? We should put the spoilers into body bags. Get him a body bag! Yes. There you go. But anyway, um, that's my little spiel about that because that happened to me today and I'm just trying to find a way to avoid these like posts about these things that like i i actually like watching like i actually want to just be surprised and uh one example of that that i'm just going to throw in is that uh i actually saw a movie like two or three years ago called oblivion with uh tom cruise and i had absolutely no clue what the movie was about and i really enjoyed it it was actually a really cool twist like one or two twists at the end that i was not you know expecting and i was telling people about the movie and they were like oh yeah that was pretty predictable and I was like, oh, I, I had no idea what it was about, though. He was like, oh, you didn't... Well, if you saw the tra- trailer, you would have known it was it was kind of predictable. But so, like, I had the advantage because I had no idea what the movie was about. So I'm starting to realize, like, as long as I just, like, avoid everything and just go in there completely blind, I'm going to have a better experience. Lala, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, if you don't watch the pre-movie, then the actual movie will be better. Yeah, that's... I agree. That's why I stopped watching the pre-movies. 
And my movie experience has been that much better. I advise you to do the same. Don't watch the pre-movies. Or at the most, if you have to watch some, if anything, if, if anyone from Hollywood is working, those commercials don't even work. I'll tell you what the best commercials are. The commercials where it's like 10 seconds, and then they say, coming out tomorrow. And that's the first commercial you heard of it. Like, well, versus these commercials where they say, coming out in four months from now. Coming soon to theaters. So I got four months of commercials. No, no, no. Keep it top secret until the day of. Like, could you imagine being a kid and like, and like, it was the same format for like your birthday gift as it is like now for movies? It would be like your birthday is in four months. Like, hint, hint. It weighs fifty pounds, and like next week it's like hint, hint. It has two tires. Bicycle, bicycle. Hint, hint. Uh, it has two handles. Bicycle, bicycle. And like by the time the, the birthday gift comes, I'm like, oh yeah. So 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 where's the bike? You know, it's just like, like I, I don't want to be surprised. I want to be surprised. I want to actually enjoy the surprise. Well, that's the thing, dude. Like, you know, even with, uh, they had the trailer for the new Independence Day uh, movie that's coming out. And part of the trailer, they actually show one of the main characters being killed. And it's just like, why? That's terrible. Like, I would never have thought he would die. It was just irritating to me. I'm down in this fern bar to rip him a new navel. And again, that's one of those movies where I'm going to go see the new Independence Day. So now you know. we got to just stop watching trailers. <laughs> no more trailers. D- there you go. You, you, if you learn nothing from me, don't watch trailers. But from, you don't even need a trailer to know. In Independence Day 2, the aliens come back. <laughs> <laughs> I need like a no-spoiler button is what I'm saying. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, here at the High Five Countdown Podcast, we aren't anti-baby. Except for maybe Tony. I'm not sure where he stands on that. I'm anti-Judas. <laughs> we are anti-spoiler. <laughs> which is why we have a spoiler alarm. <laughs> That's going non-stop now. <laughs> Number three. With, uh, with 593 episodes and 27 seasons and counting... I'm going to pick The Simpsons, and I'll explain why. Uh, the Simpsons, uh, like I said, it's not really a show that you're going to watch in like one sitting, unless you have an amazing gift for sitting down for about 27 seasons. Um, but it is, I think, the greatest comedy. Maybe not episode for episode, but like for like 10 or 15 seasons straight, it was like my favorite show of all time. I think one of the greatest shows uh, I think the, the Emmys and the track record back that up. I think the the massive fan base backs that up. Um, it's uh, it's not really one. I didn't put it number one because for other reasons, among other reasons, is because it's not really one that has that kind of story where like, you're like, I have to watch the next episode to see what happens. There are things that change over time. Like for example, Maude Flanders, who's uh, Ned Flanders' wife, died, and like you know that changed Spoiler the story. <laughs> My God, Matty G, you just gave a 10-minute rant about spoilers, and then you're throwing them out there like they're candy, and it's Halloween. I mean, uh, hopefully somebody had a chance in the last 25 years to see that episode, but uh, if not, I apologize. And uh, <laughs> So anyway, so Muff Landers dies, uh, and that changes the story a little bit, because then like Ned's character's changed, because like now he's like a single dad, and there are a whole, like, 
a bunch of episodes about him like dating and trying to find somebody new or like trying to get over Maud. So there are some changes like that, little by little. But there's not really that kind of like last episode where you want to see like the, the conclusion of the season, like uh, like other shows. Um, there are some specials that like they have. Like the, I think the most famous one I can think of is the Who Shot Mr. Burns thing, where they have like a one or two. Um, part series where it was kind of like um, a big mystery and it was really hyped up and um, I think there was even like contests like in, uh, like Butterfinger or something at the time and like back in the 90s there was actually a contest for like you could win a prize if you figure out who shot Mr. Burns or if you got like the right rapper or something it was, it was a really cool hyped up event back when the Simpsons were like really in their prime there are six suspects but only five alibis what's an alibi? don't! find out who doesn't have an alibi and you could win $50,000 see these rappers for details I mean just think about that channel FXX where they actually had every Simpsons ever for like a week or two like when they, like when they first launched the channel they actually had every single episode 24 hours a day in order so like that, that just shows like the fact that they thought that was a good idea just is kind of a testament to how big of a show the Simpsons is now Simpsons are one of my shows too I like it's one of those if you watch enough Simpsons you can relate a lot of stuff in life and if you go back, they were so ahead of their time talking about issues and the way they did it. Nowadays, it's commonplace. But back then, it was so over people's heads what they were talking about. The problem with The Simpsons is, just like we said with The Walking Dead when we were talking about the top five Walking Dead uh, problems, The Simpsons needed an end game. I thought that the movie was a great cap-off because for how many years we all wanted to see The Simpsons on the big screen. And not only did we get to see it, but it was a thoroughly entertaining movie. Spider-Pig is still one of my best, uh, favorite Simpsons characters. Spider-Pig, Spider-Pig, does whatever a Spider-Pig does. Can he swing from a web? No, we can't. He's a pig. But then, after the movie was so big, they realized, well, let's just cash in off this. And they ended up uh, doing more seasons after the movie. The fact I like I like the fact that it's still going, but a part of me is also kind of like I don't know if it needs to keep going. At this point, it's hard to imagine it not being uh, you know still The Simpsons, a new episode you know every you know or a new season every year. Uh, it's kind of like something that I think a lot of people would be like really upset if it stopped coming. Even though it seems like more and more people are just complaining about how it's not as good as it used to be or whatever. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, maybe it's just that people that grew up with the show are now older and they expect like a certain type of comedy. It could be that. Um, but I just think, uh, it's kind of a tough thing to say. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like uh, something you grew up with. It's like, it's hard to like, kind of like, just be like, yeah, like we got to kill this off. Cause then it's like, you know, what happens after the Simpsons are gone? It's like the longest running show, I think in the history of like television or something. And it's got such a loyal following and it's almost got this whole world with Springfield around it that it's like, it's almost becomes part of people's lives, like the characters. So it's hard to imagine that it's going to be gone at some point, but I guess it will be. Change is time to change the They cancel Family Guy a whole bunch of times. They'll cancel it. Ten years later, they'll bring it back. So it wouldn't surprise me, 2050, they're rebooting The Simpsons. But Family Guy and The Simpsons are two different animals. The Simpsons is, it's the gold standard of TV. But I didn't know you could cancel a show and then uncancel it until Family Guy. So why not? Maybe they'll bring it back where Bart grows up and becomes the new Homer. There you go. They could reverse it to Bart gets smart, Lisa gets dumb. Wise guy, eh? Ow! 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 <laughs> Hamster two bite zero. 
this one is going to be the one that's like I'm sure everyone's like, what? Because like, how many people haven't even heard of this show? But it's one where I really think it's more binge worthy than like some of the other shows on my list. Uh, it's only 26 episodes, and it's a very different show, and I'm sure when I say it, you guys are going to be like, I have nothing to say about this, because I've never even heard of this show. <laughs> but I'm going to go with an anime, actually. It's called Cowboy Bebop. Well, I have a uh, question. Yes. Is it a sequel to Rocksteady and Bebop? Um. First we went this way, and then, um, we went that way. I think we turned left. Oh, oh, was it down and then up? Uh, unfortunately, no. I, I mean, well, I'll explain. I don't watch a lot of anime. I was actually in high school, and I was watching Adult Swim, and I was seeing, like, this show come up, and I was like, what is this? And I just started watching it, and it actually is, like, an amazing show. I wanted to just kind of throw something in that would be a little different, but also I really recommend the show. Like, it really is a good show. Um, It's an anime from 98, but it takes place in the year 2071, and basically the background of the plot is, like, the Earth has become uninhabitable, and humans have colonized, like, the different moons and the planets all around the solar system, Um, and the police rely on these bounty hunters, which are called cowboys, to help them capture, like, you know, criminals that they can't catch. So these, like, these five people are, like, on this ship called the Bebop, which is why it's called that. Um, and they all have their own kind of, like, separate stories. They're all kind of outcasts. And they're all kind of, like, on this, like, kind of journey together. But they're all, like, kind of got their own, like, dark past. And it's really, like, it's almost like a, like an artsy show. It's like, it's like a, the quotes from, like, what I got from online is, it's a masterpiece. It's one of the greatest animes of all time. And it's a gateway to anime for a lot of Western audiences. So it's kind of like a show that, like, you probably would be like watching, like, uh, what is this? But then, like, you start watching, and it's actually really good. Yeah, I saw a couple, a uh, couple episodes of it. It was pretty good, but it was years ago. Yeah, it's just it's if you see it, it's like a, it's very different. It's kind of like just the way it's filmed and the way like they use the music and the and just the stories are very. I don't know. They're just very well done, and, and just the kind of story that you just like. You could probably enjoy as a kid or as an adult, and like. I think even more so as an adult, and uh, it's got, it's very like philosophical, and it's like kind of like, you know makes you want to think and stuff. And you think like, oh, it's an animated show; it's gonna be silly, but it's like it's totally not. It's actually really good. <laughs> but number one, I already mentioned it's gonna be Game of Thrones. I'm gonna throw some stats out for you. Uh, file sharing news website Torrent Freak estimated that Game of Thrones is the most pirated show or TV series every year since 2012. So it kind of shows not just the ratings, but like how how big the show is in terms of the internet. Um, Metacritic, which is like one of those big sh- um, rating websites, here are the scores out of 100 for the first five seasons. 80, 90, 91, 94, and 91. And then Rotten Tomatoes, which is probably even bigger of a rating show, um, rating website, had them at 83, 97, 100 out of 100, 96 and 98. So it's just a show that has pretty much actually gotten better since like the first season in, in both of those websites formats. Um, it's won 26 Emmys so far. And last year it set the record for the most wins in a single year for a series. It had 12 in, in last year just alone. So it's just a show that's like killing it on so many different levels. To me, it's kind of on a different level. It, it, it's it's little by little, but it is a massive story. Like you have all these different lands. You have Westeros and you have like uh, North of the Wall. You have... um. 
Marine and all these, and like Dorn and all these different lands and all these different characters you got to get familiar with. The way the stories intertwine, the way the things from season five can tie back to something that you heard about in season one, that's where it kind of becomes more like binge worthy where you want to like rewatch stuff. What I really, really like about the show is that it kind of throws a lot of the TV cliches and conventions like out of the window. Like a lot of times you'll see, you'll find that like the bad guys win, so to speak. But even the bad guys, they're not completely bad. It's not like they're very well-rounded where, like, you can see the flaws in people and not everyone's 100% good or bad. And and a lot of times, like, there's no t- character that's, like, fully untouchable. So, like, it makes it even more interesting because you're just like, I have no idea when I see a sword fight between two characters, uh, who's going to wind up coming out of this and, like, who's going to – I mean, because I had to read the books. It's a show where what happens in season five, in season one, you'll see it in season four. So it's a good show that you have to kind of follow along. So give it a try. Give it a college try. I'll give it the old college try. Not the Boy Meets World college try where the dorm rooms are unrealistic. I'm going to give it a realistic try. Bye. All right. So number five, we haven't mentioned this one yet, but House of Cards. Um, it's four seasons, started in 2013, it's on season four now. Really interesting character in Frank Underwood. He's probably going to go down as one of the greater TV characters. Very riveting show, good writing. When it's really good, when you finish an episode, you need to figure out what happens next. So it's a classic binge-watching show. I was not a big House of Cards fan, and I watched the first eight episodes of... Season one, obviously. My issue is, unlike the characterization that Matty G and myself and you were talking about with Game of Thrones and with Sons of Anarchy and 24, Frank Underwood seems just over-the-top evil. There are two kinds of pain. Sort of pain that makes you strong or useless pain. Sort of pain that's only suffering. I have no patience for useless things. Moments like this require someone who will act. They do such a terrible job with his characterization because not only is he evil, but then they have to make sure he has these like little side comments where I guess he's talking to the viewer to explain his evil ways. Did you think I'd forgotten you? Perhaps you hoped I had. Don't waste a breath mourning, Miss Barnes. Every kitten grows up to be a cat. They seem so harmless at first, small, quiet, lapping up their saucer of milk. But once their claws get long enough, they draw blood. If you watch it a little bit more, you'll see is it, how much of it is evil and how much of it is just Machiavellianism, like just having a plan and sticking to it. So it, it's not as clear-cut as it, as it seems in terms of his evilness. Especially if you start watching later on, like you start cheering for some of his plans. So he's not as evil as you may think. And there may be other characters where you're like, no, Frank, keep doing what you're doing. You're the, you're the side of good. Okay, but I'm going to compare it to probably the uh, character you can uh, most compare to Frank Underwood, which is Walter White. And the difference that I see is Walter White started out good and he did all these bad things for good intentions. And us as an audience actually roots for him, even though some of the despicable things he does are terrible. But then 
at the end of the show, not only do we stop rooting for him, but then he realizes that he went off course and sees maybe the error in his ways. I don't know if if Frank Underwood uh, goes down that same path, but it's not just preordained evil. It's someone who tries to validate their actions because they were trying to do it for the best of reason. Well, I'll tell you what. what, Give it a little bit more of a try and maybe see if Frank Underwood falls in that class. Is it as simple as we see? Well, eight episodes in, I would be on your side. After episode nine and a half, I may think differently. And there's something charming to the fact that you, you know where Frank stands and yet he is Machiavellian and he is trying to get the upper hand. Like, you know that's his motivation, and the ca- the show is through his eyes, so yeah, he does do a lot of asides. As the show goes on, like, the asides become pretty pr- refreshing, because you may be thinking the same thing that he is. I've seen one episode, actually, of this. Um, uh, I know what you're talking about with the asides. I know that the part, like, where he sees the dog, and the, d- the dog's wounded, so he just puts it out of his misery, and it kind of just, I guess, sets the tone for what you're talking about, where... He kind of has a Machiavellian way, like where it looks like on the surface is something evil, but I guess he has like kind of a ends justifies the means type of thing in the show. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it, but um, like many shows, I <laughs> I haven't seen the whole thing, so I uh, I can see uh, it's one of those shows that I'm I'm not surprised to see on the list just by based on the reception I've heard about it. Cool. All right, so my number four, we've already discussed a little bit nine seasons starting in 2001 to 2014 it's the show that brought immunity to the dictionary i'll tell you where the bomb is in exchange for immunity but 24 is my number four show it it had a huge amount of hype Uh, i know a lot of my friends who were just like all about that show and i know that um Kiefer Sutherland is like this kind of legendary character and that um, just the premise of the show, it seems like the kind of show that would be really binge-worthy because if you want to see what happens in the whole course of the day, then you have to watch multiple episodes. So it seems kind of a logical pick. Although I'm not going to lie and say I love every feature of the show. I get a, a bad rap for wanting to see babies killed, and that's not true. It was just Judas. In the same way, I don't want to see all daughters die, but Ken Bauer needs to have been killed. If they bring 24 back, Ken Bauer cannot be alive. Are you okay? Yeah, baby, I'm all right. I miss you. I'm fine. Are you sure? I'm positive. Sweetheart. I'm so worried. She's completely useless, and she gets stuck in bear traps. Cougar traps. Cougar traps. <laughs> It's one of those, like, he's a character, like, he always gets into trouble. It will take you away from the compelling plot, so we could check in to make sure the cougar didn't eat Kim. You end up cheering for whoever has Kim in the situation. Like, if, if Kim is being held hostage, you're yelling at the TV, don't listen to her, just just kill her now. My God, Tony, you are you are Carol. You can never tell anyone, because if you do... One morning, you'll wake up, and you won't be in your bed. Where will I be? Tied to a tree. The monsters will come, and they will tear you apart and eat you up all while you're still alive. I'm not Carol, and oh, so so you're a Kim fan. Is that is that how I should interpret this? You, you're a big Kim Bauer fan. You like all the times that they stopped the show to save Kim. Are you okay? Yeah, baby, I'm all right. I miss you. I'm fine. 
positive. So you're watching the show. One, just please let a piano fall on this woman. <laughs> and there's one season where she's not in a single episode. And there's no correlation to it, but it was one of the best seasons. You know, and, that, and 24 is a show where it's easy to to start caring for the characters to the point where, like, when a main character dies, it ruins your week. Obviously, as a 24 pa- fan, I respect the pick. I'm just curious what other shows could have topped a Jack Bauer. Because he'll put them in body bags! Get him a body bag! Yeah! Number three is Game of Thrones. It's a show where I like that I don't feel that I have to pay attention. Paying attention would obviously make it better if I took notes and I had to spark notes. But I find if you just watch it twice... It's fine. It's not as as big of a thinker as people think that it may be. It, it it can be really compelling TV, and it's another one where the characters you get involved and start caring about. Especially there's a character named Tyrion. Um, he's a dwarf. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. I've been on trial for that my entire life. He's the one character. I hope nothing happens to him. He's my favorite character. So if you do end up watching this show, Seth, you'll you'll probably find yourself cheering for Tyrion. I think uh, he he actually early in the in the show he's got like a Tony Stark type of thing where he's like this cocky rich guy who just kind of just uh, does whatever he wants and then like I, I think actually now there's more of a change where he's becoming kind of a bit, a bit more like I don't know like less cynical about life. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. I've been on trial for that my entire life. I was watching it. And I was thinking like, oh, I'm supposed to like this guy because like he's saying funny things. And I'm not going to like him because, like, everyone else probably loves him. But then, like, by, like, the second season, I'm like, oh, man, this guy's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's a man. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. I've been on trial for that my entire life. Like, I almost didn't want to like him because I felt like I was supposed to. But then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't help it. Tyrion's the man. I, I I know I spent, like, you know, seven minutes of airtime talking about how much I like the show. And uh, I, I agree with the pick. And, um, yeah, just uh, it's a really good show. Seth, you'll appreciate this one. Five seasons from 2008 to 2013. It's science. Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, science. I, I know we have to edit that out because we already... Or over our cursing limit. But, um, Breaking Bad. Great story. I also like the cinematography of it, how at the beginning of the episode, they have an intense focus on something. And then maybe later on in the season, you figure out what that scene was about. If you ever have the time, I suggest giving it a binge rewatch. And it will prove to you the brilliance of Vince Gilligan. We, we don't call him by his last name. That's too formal. We know him by Vince. We're on a first name basis. Vin, so Vinny. We mostly go by Vinny. So anyway, Vinny. We were talking about Vinny. So when Vinny actually shoots something, he is so prone to attention to detail. So like, for instance, um, if you remember, uh, I think it's the beginning of season three. Walt, spoiler alert. <laughs> Walter White starts to get frustrated with the money he's made doing some of the actions he's done. So he decides to throw it on a grill and light the money on fire. There's a scene where it's an overhead shot from the point of view of the grill looking up at Walter White as he's lighting this grill. And if you take note, the matchbook that he uses to light the grill is a Saul Goodman matchbook. (laughs) 
Really? Yes. And I believe that episode was chronologically before we met Saul Goodman. So yeah, I, I like those kind of details. So you know, so it's a it's a show where you, you do have to rewatch it a couple of times. Well, I think it's a show that also has one of the, if not the best characters of television, who is Jesse Pinkman, played by Aaron Paul. Yeah, Mister White. Yes, science. But he was so complex. I, I remember um, the first two seasons. I did not like him. He annoyed crap out of me. And then by the midway through the third season, I started to pity him to even root for him. And then obviously by the uh, end of the show, as things are winding down, you can really see yourself saying, well, Jesse's kind of the only person that hasn't truly broke bad. Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, science. Very, very true. That, that was a while. I was getting a little bit tired of him. He does have a heart of gold, and that, you know, keeps coming through. I think it just automatically won our number one, just a spoiler. <laughs> That's a big spoiler alert. My number one on for five seasons from 2002 to 2008. We haven't discussed this show yet. If you guys haven't watched it, I definitely recommend it. The Wire. If you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the street in Heard many good things about it. Experience some of those good things, my man. Experience those good things. It's that good of a show. Seth, have you watched it? Well, first off, I just want to say Kanye West took me through the wire. But I ain't Jamaican, man. Story on MTV, and I ain't trying to make a band. I swear this right here, history in the making, man. I really apologize for this right now. It's actually the theme song to the show. Is it really? No, it is not. Okay. Well... (laughs) The theme song, you, you may appreciate this also too, Maddie. For it's the same theme song lyrics, but for each season they have a different group perform it with a different arrangement. That's cool. I like that. That's yeah. Really neat. See? Tony, you want me to really? Uh, do you, Do you want to really sell me on the wire? Please tell me that one of the groups that performed the theme song was Limp Bizkit. Are you ready? Well, this actually may get some people to watch the show. Limp Bizkit does not appear in The Wire. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, I'm really sad, actually. I'm not watching it. But the, you do actually see a couple of people that you know. The Preacher from Walking Dead. Now, That's now, not a real strong point. You aren't now, selling me on the but, fact that Father Gabriel's in The Wire. Let not your heart be troubled. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If you watch The Wire and then watch what that man has turned into. He was a strong character in The Wire. He played a police detective with a heart of gold. Maybe didn't have all the, the street smart skills that he needed, but he really wanted to do well. I go back so far with this kid, I was chasing him through juvie. But does any of that matter when we roll up here? I get so much as a wave, a nod, a smile, nothing. And to see that character turn into Father Gabriel was very heartbreaking. Is, the Wire as well. Is Coral in The Wire? Coral? Where's Carl? Carl! Coral is not in the wire. Carl! Where's Carl? Carl! I've heard so many good things about the wire, all jokes aside. I would certainly give it a try, and, and that's right up there with, like, Game of Thrones. There's another show that I love to binge watch. 
I've had friends tell me that like that's literally the best show of all time. <laughs> like, so uh, yeah, I can see why that's that's on somebody's list, uh, and even at number one. And there's just so many the authenticity of the show, the script, the acting. And the show, if you you do watch it, the show has a lot of heart. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one. ready for this? One, two, three, let's go. Here we go. Okay, so I already did the calculations with. With four points, I'm glad I can make this very weird in the in the top five. Cowboy Bebop is going to be number five. With five points is Tony's number one pick, The Wire. With 11 points is 24. With 13 points is Game of Thrones. And number one with 14 points is Breaking Bad. Only on the High Five Countdown podcast can you have Cowboy Bebop, The Wire, and Game of Thrones all on one top five. I'm glad I can make it weird. That's the kind of show we got. You don't know what's going to happen. Let's go and uh, we'll we'll go through the top five and each say something about it. Matty G, kick us off. Number five, Cowboy Bebop. It's an anime. It's considered by many to be the best anime of all time, and neither one of my co-hosts has heard of it. I haven't heard of it, so he's telling the truth. I still was hoping that uh, Rocksteady and Bebop would have made a cameo in Cowboy Bebop. Um, first we went this way, and then um, we went that way. I, I think we turned left. Oh, was it down and up? Number four, The Wire. If you walk through the garden. It's a really good show. It's one of those shows where you think you're cheering for the good guys, and then next thing you know, you're cheering for the criminals, and you have all the right reasons for it. So if you haven't watched the show, give it a try. It's also the show that Kanye West based his hit song Through the Wire off. But I ain't you making man story on MTV. And I ain't trying to make a band I swear this right here History in the making, man I really apologize right now The Wire, I've heard, is one of the best shows ever If I watched a lot of TV, I would totally watch it (laughs) (laughs) Number 3, 24 24 is awesome. It was a show made for binge-watching before binge-watching even existed. You have one of the most compelling television characters in Jack Bauer. It is a good catchphrase, I have to admit. 24 has affected my life because DJ Seth O uh, loves it, and apparently uh, Stand Down has come from that show. Is that true? 100%. So that, that's changed my life because that's, that's become something that everyone says, thanks to Seth. So, you know, I thank 24 for that. Number two is going to be Game of Thrones. I heard that they did, similar to, like, Talking Dead, they do, like, an after show called After the Thrones or something. And as Uh, I mentioned in the last podcast, they really missed the beat on that one. Because if I was the marketing guy for the Game of Thrones, I would call that after talk show, I'd call it post-game. This is the one, like, trendy, cool show that, like, people talk about on social media that I actually follow. And uh, I'm glad that this is my choice. Like, I have no regrets. No, I'm a fan of the show, too. And number one, we have Breaking Bad. 
Breaking Bad is another show, like The Wire, where if I had to choose a show to, uh, maybe, you know, maybe I will. If I'm on, like, a long flight, say I'm going to Australia next year, I'm kind of planning on it. If I have, like, a 20-hour flight, maybe I gotta watch Breaking Bad. Quick reason why you should watch the Breaking Bad series. Outside of Jesse Pinkman being just an awesome character, you get to see the quirky dad from Malcolm in the Middle, and you get to see him grow some balls... And do some pretty cool stuff. And the character transformation that he goes through is probably some of the best character development you'll ever see on television. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a great show. It's hard to believe that's the same guy from Malcolm in the Middle. Hello, well, I'm so full of bacon. My body's meant for shaking. Let's cook. Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, science. Because that's a great top five. Science. Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, science. Thank you all for listening to the High Five Countdown podcast. Search us out on iTunes. Just type in High Five Countdown podcast into the iTunes search browser under podcasts and you'll find us. And I think we're definitely binge worthy. Absolutely. If you have some time on your hands, binge watch our show. Binge listen. And then also look us up on Facebook and Twitter. We're on social media. And if you really like the podcast, don't be afraid to give us five-star ratings, four-star ratings, anything lower than four-star ratings, and Jack Bauer might just come and take away your immunity. I'll tell you where the bomb is in exchange for immunity. On that note, I think it's time (laughs) to end the show. (laughs) I'm DJ Setho, and because I'm so hungry, after this podcast, I'm just going to yell out, Yo, Mr. White, let's cook! Yeah, Mr. White! Yes, science! I'm Adam G, and when there's a piano at a nice family party, I actually like to play the theme song from the Red Wedding and see if anyone gets the joke. That's a true story, by the way. I'm Tony B., um, give a try to, to The Wire. That's that's my last thing. Just, just watch The Wire. You have nothing else to do. Watch The Wire. All right. Until next episode, have a good one. Netflix and piss. <laughs> I think when you're new at a school like you and me, first impressions really stick. What if tomorrow you raised your hand and I said, what do you want, Booker? Forget it, Vindicator. You can send every mutant in Canada after me. I ain't coming back. I'm guilty Being a dwarf, I've been on trial for that my entire life. I go back so far with this kid, I was chasing him through juvie. But does any of that matter when we roll up here? I get so much as a wave, a nod, a smile, nothing. Damn it! 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 Spider pig, spider pig, does whatever a spider pig does. Can he swing from a web? We can't. He's a pig. Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, science.